2: get real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. I saw my friend Elise last night. She's one of my oldest friends. We've known each other for more than 20 years now. At least 20 years. We met at a party in Park Slope in the early 90s when you would live in Park Slope because you couldn't afford Manhattan and you knew a good thing when you saw it. It was kind of a big secret. And you probably worked for something like a nonprofit or you were a social worker or a writer or a teacher, you know, jobs like that. This was way back. This was before the Internet. This was before cell phones. When people actually went to parties and stuff, you know, IRL. I just learned that IRL. So we were both at this party and every single other person at the party except the two of us had gone to the same college. They had all gone to SUNY Binghamton, except Elise and me. So we bonded over that because we had something in common. We didn't go to that college. We bonded over our non-Binghamton college choices, and we bonded, especially via our witty, irreverent Jew-in-the-city girl selves, and the rest is Talmudic history. Or herstory, as those old-time Park Slope resident ladies would say. But we'll get to that later, more about that later, about herstory. You know that old saying about Park Slope, right? Well, maybe, you probably don't. That Park Slope is all dykes, tykes, and kikes. I can say that because I am, one, a kike. Not a dyke, even though I am somewhat androgynous looking, and people do occasionally think that I am a lesbian. I'm not. Um... The tykes are, you know, the word tyke, right? It's not a bad word. It means little kid. We're all the, like, little hippie children offspring of the, like, original slopean settlers, like the social workers and writers who moved out there in the 60s and then had kids. And that's what it was like back then. But, like, now even the tykes, the lesbians have tykes, I mean, what can I say? It was a simpler time. It was before women developed the ability to make their own sperm and thus impregnate themselves, which I believe is what's going on out there now. And of course, everybody has the right to have children. That's fine. In my perfect world, very few people would actually have children, but you want to have kids, you can. That's fine. I don't care what your gender or sexual preference is. Just be, Just be a good parent. Keep those kids on a leash. And anyway, even though Elise and I, we live in the same borough. I don't live in Park Slope. She does. um, We don't really see each other that much anymore. You know, typical New York lives. We don't see each other. We can't make it happen like we used to in the old days when we were younger. And we were both single. And I would come out to Brooklyn for the day. I lived in Manhattan. Hard to believe. I lived in Manhattan years ago. And um, it was like I'd go off on like a little expedition on the F train out to her apartment and and I would sleep over because it was too dangerous to get on the F train at night and go back to the city it was a long time ago so it's kind of like taking like a little country vacation for me a little break out to the country of Park Slope Slope. and um the reason why I got to see Elise my friend this week is um because she works for the UJA you know the UJA the United Jewish Appeal a massive Jewish umbrella charity, as if Jews need charity, right? And she basically gets the entire month of September off thanks to my tribe's huge cluster of fall holidays. We like to clump them all together in the fall. So I always know that if I want to see Elise, chances are good that we can find a night in late September, early October where she or I, she and or I are both free. No, not and or, she and I are both free. You know, we're not working late or going to therapy or at the gym or on a date. Her. Not me. She's single. And if anybody would like to meet her, I have to tell you, she is one pretty hot 50-year-old woman. And she used to be a gymnast. So imagine the possibilities. Hmm? Let me know. Anyway, Elise gets like 40 days off every fall. Ridiculously. Plus the usual U.S. holidays. Plus like six weeks of vacation because she's worked there for 20 years. So... Basically, she never works. She's always off. And I think that's why there are so many poor, starving, suffering Jews out there in need of help. Because if the damn UJA would just be open for once, those people could get the help that they truly need. Like how to get Jay-Z to perform at Little Rachel's Bat Mitzvah or how to keep blacks from moving into their co-op building. Things like that. Important pressing issues that they need to turn to the UJA for assistance in working out. Now, the reason I'm telling you about seeing Elise is, like I said, because it's Jewish holiday season. And that means that not only is Elise out and roaming the world, she's actually going to Morocco Friday. Oh, I'm going to take some time, go to Morocco. It also means that the Hasidim are out in full force in their various Brooklyn enclaves. And there are several of those enclaves around the borough of Brooklyn, and two of them are in neighborhoods that I frequent, being Crown Heights and Williamsburg. And this time of year, it is like, ooh, spilling out of the woodwork. It's like, I can't think of a metaphor. Now, Crown Heights, I go to fairly, not fairly, once in a while, but That's but because that's where my bees live. You know, I have bees, beehive, and my bees live there on a roof in Crown Heights. And this time of the year, they're on, like, full-time honey production mode, so I actually need to check on them more than the very neglectful once or twice that I do in a summer, because I'm a really bad, lazy beekeeper, so I have to go out to Williamsburg once in a while, I mean, sorry, Crown Heights, and I went there yesterday, and Williamsburg, because I like to sometimes walk here to the radio station in Bushwick, and my route from my neighborhood takes me right through the deepest, darkest heart of Hasidic Brooklyn. And I like that walk because I can gape at the 17-year-old women pushing strollers with six children in them, or five in the stroller and one clinging to her back. And it's sort of like Tribeca or Chelsea, only the mothers actually are still of childbearing age and they don't have nannies. Or, you know, the nice, the like young man, the pale, very pale, those Hasidim fuzzy bearded adolescent boys with their... They're swinging payas and their fur hats. Mm, hot. And I try to make eye contact with them when I'm walking through just to kind of mess with their head and their kishkas. If you don't know what kishkas are, <laughs> look it up. Although, you know, sometimes now I read... Actually, I didn't read. Chris told me that they wear these glasses that are intentionally blurry. So if they look at a woman, they won't actually see her. Apparently, those are all the rage now. It's supposed to stop them from ogling women. But that said, I probably look younger when they're looking at me through them, so so that's okay. But anyway, Elise and I, we kind of love to discuss and dissect Hasidic life. Being secular, non-religious Jews, we're cultural Jews, we like to talk about them in their extremism and also use the occasional Yiddish word randomly. And we basically just like to make fun of our own people, and we can, since it's our people and we're the only ones with souls. No offense to my goyish listeners. And also, I have Hasidim in my family, so it's okay. It's my tribe. I got him very close to me, my mother's youngest brother, who is 20 years her junior but only 10 years older than me. Got that? At some point in his early 30s, he lost his mind or I mean, sorry, he found his faith and he first became Orthodox and then he became Hasidic. And then he went on to marry a former Catholic who converted and then they went on to have like five or six children. I can't remember how many. The eldest of whom, eldest of which, I don't know, is my cousin Miriam. Now Miriam was born in 1987. Don't ask me why I remember that. And she got married to a young man about four years ago. And now she has three kids under the age of three. Yeah, three under the age of three. I mean, what can I say? The Jewish people have really embraced the message from the women's movement, apparently. And her wedding was a full-on Crown Heights, Hasidic, Brooklyn-style wedding. It was a cold, gray March weekday night. Weekday night. And the ceremony is held on the lawn under the window, outside the study of the former head rebbe of their group. The, the old guy. This was his study, and they get married. He's dead. They get married outside of his window. And um, they have weddings like every 15 minutes. Like a car pulls up, couple gets out, boom, 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 married, boom, next, 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 next. It's like a wedding. It's like the Henry Ford principle applied to weddings. And only the men are allowed around the happy couple, under the hoopa, You know the hoopa, It's like the little symbolic house. Only the men are allowed to actually observe the wedding. We, the women, the second sex, we had to stand out on the sidewalk. We weren't even allowed up there. We stood out on the sidewalk, shivering on that cold gray March night, not being worthy enough to stand on that muddy lawn and watch the show. And I was so cold that night that I actually was jealous of the wigs at the women were wearing since at least their heads were warm. And then we all went down the block to this reception that was held at this hall that looked like it hadn't been cleaned or renovated or heated since my grandparents' era crowd got married in those kind of places like 100 years ago where we were served the most vile prison food-like meal I have ever been served. Seriously awful, awful, awful food and no alcohol. Although at least technically it was real food, which today for many would actually be considered hmm, elite, snooty. It's getting harder to keep track of what's elite and what isn't, even for me. Oi, vey. Wait, wait, wait. What was that I said? A wedding with no alcohol? Back up. What are we, Mormons? No, we're women. And at religious Jewish weddings, things are a little different for the X's and the Y's. Everyone sits separately. Of course, you know that. In that community, you are divided by the sexes. Even in Orthodox Judaism, when I was a little kid and I would go with my grandparents to shul, the women sat upstairs and the men sat downstairs. Separated. Separate and not equal. So at this wedding, we sat separately and there was a wall. There's like a wall or a curtain that divides the men from the women. And that happens in synagogue, too. But look, we skipped that whole part. I mean, there was enough. And so at the reception on the men's side, and I know this because I looked, I peeked, there were bottles and bottles of vodka on the tables for the men. And the men were getting loaded and dancing with each other. And it was like Chelsea in the 90s. Now, if you don't know what I'm referring to, you can try looking on YouTube or just email Chris, my co-producer, and he'll let you know, although it is for mature audiences only. So the men were getting loaded on vodka, and on the women's side, we were sitting around a table, 12 people at the table. There was one bottle in the middle of the table of this sickeningly sweet, fizzy, kosher wine that tasted like Mountain Dew, if I knew what Mountain Dew tasted like. I think it was like that. And that's it. There was no bar. There was no other wine served. That was it. One bottle. Drink your little fizzy wine, eat your kishkas, and shut it. And we were sitting at the table with all the outsiders, meaning my aunt's family, my cousin's mother, the woman who married my uncle. Remember, she was formerly Catholic. Yeah, Irish Catholic. So we were sitting at a table with her Irish Catholic mom and her Irish Catholic aunts and all her Irish Catholic sisters, like five of them. And then my mom and my sister and my niece and me. We were sitting in the postmodern Joan Rivers, Sarah Silverman, John Stewart section of the wedding. And we were all miserable and freezing and hungry and most definitely too sober. Because at those weddings, the women don't drink. Probably because in that crowd, the women are almost always pregnant or nursing. And you don't deserve to get drunk and have fun anyway at a wedding because it's your own fault for being born female. So you're being punished. So we fought over this. Little bottle of wine. We each had a teaspoon of it. That was it. Things were not looking good. So we didn't get any alcohol. We got inedibly bad food. But what we did get in abundance was cake. Bad, bad cake. A gigantic buffet of awful, dry, over-frosted cake and cookies and pastries. This gigantic, bountiful buffet of them. And I guess what it is is that sugar is the new alcohol for Hasidic women. Now, remember, this was a strictly kosher affair, and they served meat for the entree. I think that was meat. I don't know. So all the dessert had to be non-dairy because when you keep kosher, you don't mix meat and dairy in the same meal. So all those bad cakes were made even more inedible by the fact that they were made with Crisco, or probably not even Crisco, but some generic cheaper brand. The kosher vegetable shortening Loved by observant Jews from Bushwick to Borough Park. Now, you know about my theory about Crisco, right? I mentioned it last week, that Crisco is actually the true final solution. Madonna, I mean, Esther's conversion notwithstanding. Although I'm not sure that that theory really holds water, given the explosive fertility in this religious crowd. I don't think they're being eliminated anytime soon. I think they're taking care of that. Now, they may be having a lot of heart attacks and high cholesterol and strokes and diabetes from eating all that Crisco, but that doesn't seem to be hindering the birth rate at all. It helps, of course, that most of them have their first eight or so kids before the age of 30. And this is not the IVF surrogate any way possible demographic these people have it naturally, and they most certainly don't adopt Chinese babies or black ones. That's for sure. So the point is, we couldn't drink, and we couldn't even eat the cake, because I won't eat vegetable shortenings, even if I could help it. Even if I were really drunk, I wouldn't eat it, and that wasn't happening. So the night really totally sucked. Even my niece, who was only eight at the time, agreed that it was one of the suckiest weddings she had ever into. But our standards, I guess, are different for weddings. We were there for Miriam and for my aunt and they looked happy and, you know, as happy as my tribe can get. And oddly enough, her husband, the rabbi, turned out to be really kind of hot. Now, is it wrong that I thought so? I was feeling a little dirty looking at him and thinking how hot he was. He kind of brought out my inner Mrs. Robinson with a little bit of yentl thrown in. So gender segregation ruled the wedding of my cousin, Miriam, men at the ceremony, women on the sidewalk, men guzzling vodka and dancing together, women fighting for their two sips of Jewish blue nun and dancing together, too. But not me. I didn't dance because I was afraid of getting knocked out by a gigantic wig wearing 16 year old who was about to drop twins from under her long skirt. Men drinking vodka, bald women in wigs with Crisco on their lips. This is sounding a lot like Chelsea in the 90s, actually. Gender. You can't escape it. It defines you and it determines your life. And if you let it, it will. And what does gender have to do with food and foodiness after all? Well, let's take a quick break and we'll find out.
1: All of us at Kane Vineyard and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, go to Keep5.com.
2: Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Weitz, your host. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter, people. That's how we do things now. Let's Get Real Show on Twitter. Find Let's Get Real on Facebook. Also, you can also listen to any Heritage Radio Show ever on iTunes or on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And you should become a member. We are member supported. Okay. So what is a Jewish Orthodox wedding in Brooklyn? Women in wigs eating bad cake in one room, men in long dresses getting drunk and dancing together in another, and Chris's nostalgia for when Chelsea was the gay men's mecca, not the mommy mecca, have to do with each other? Well, as you've learned by now on Let's Get Real, we like to take you way, way down, you know what, the foodiness rabbit hole, that deep, dark place where food manufacturers and marketers like to take you and keep you there. So they can bamboozle you and get you to buy their candy-flavored yogurt that helps you to poop, their omega-3 protein cookies that make you pumped, and their artificial sweeteners that provide you with your daily allowance of fiber. And you get stuck so far down there in the land of fake food and real food doppelgangers that you can't see your way back up because you've lost your ability to see real food. It's like those fish that live in dark caves, Under the ocean, where no sunlight ever gets through, eventually they lose their sight. They're blind and they lose all their pigmentation via evolution, of course. Now, no offense to my Tea Party listeners, I'm sure God made them that way just last week, like Romney's position on abortion and healthcare and gay marriage. Too serious? Sorry, I mean, we know evolution is not just a theory. And not just for breakfast anymore. Anyway, foodiness marketers and makers are savvy, savvy people. They know what you think you want because they've told you to want it. Like reality TV or ATMs and CVSs on every street corner in New York now or an all-black remake of Steel Magnolias. They want you to think you want that. And they know that women and men aren't the same jamie lee curtis notwithstanding that women want their foodiness to say and do certain things they want their foodiness to make them feel sexy or nurturing or mommy like or invincible and men want their foodiness to make them feel strong and smart and like they're eating healthy but not because their wives are making them do it dude no they picked out that can of men's diet cola all by themselves gender there it is again and you thought you'd seen the last of it when you got your minor in women's studies nope it affects everything which cars we buy which cigarettes we'd smoke if we smoked who we vote for and most definitely what we choose when we shop for food or we eat a meal or we buy a snack and non-food marketers and manufacturers and advertisers have known this forever forever they've been marketing to the sexes since marketing and advertising was invented By Mormon Jesus. That's where we got things like long, skinny, feminine cigarettes for women like Virginia Slims or hairspray for men. But it's called control or soap for women like Calgon or makeup for men with names like camouflage or facial fuel. But here's the difference. Beauty products and cigarettes and bath soap and makeup, they do what they're supposed to do. They do what they say they do. Moisturizers moisturize, whether they're pink or white or smell like musk or magnolias. Hairspray doesn't discriminate. If there's flyaway hair to be tamed, it's on the job. No questions asked. The 4 men versions serve only to assuage the masculinity of the men using the products, to make them know it's okay to use conditioner or hair coloring or wrinkle creams or panty liners. Mm, No, not panty liners. Well, maybe. The difference usually comes down to the fragrance or maybe the color of the product or the color of the packaging. And, you know, it's silly. It's stupid even. But it's not insidious. It's not inherently insidious. Adding a pour en caveat to a Chanel moisturizer isn't going to hurt anybody. It doesn't necessarily mislead anyone in any malevolent way. Except people who can't pronounce it, right? Of course. Poor um. Nobody's trying to make any health claims or nutrition claims. They're just trying to sell twice as much shit. It's the American way. If you use your wife's moisturizer after shaving instead of your own, you won't grow boobs. You'll be okay. Your balls may shrink and fall off, but you just found the perfect surrogate anyway down in South Carolina, so who's going to need them? Sorry, that's for another episode. But gender-specific foodiness is another can of gummy vitamin worms entirely because it is evil and insidious because foodiness isn't for men or for women. Foodiness is for no gender. Let me break it down for you. Food is for men and women and teeny babies and toddlers and even teenagers, even if they're so awful they don't actually deserve it. It's for everyone. Food is for people. Foodiness is for suckers especially suckers who buy into products that are marketed to them as being better for the ladies or targeted toward the gents. Foodiness is for no one. It doesn't work for anyone, not for any gender, not for people. Even Soylent Green was made from people for people, except not vegans. Even though everyone thought in Soylent Green that they were eating algae chips, just like today everyone is eating veggie chips thinking it's vegetables, when they're really just eating corn and chemicals and buying it at places like Organic Avenue, which is a store in Chelsea, which I will get into on another episode because there's a lot to be said about that. And now foodiness takes us even farther down the rabbit hole to where we not only can't discern what food is anymore, but now we have to decide what gender our foodiness product choices represent. It's like your gender studies professor and your marketing 101 professor decided to go make some real cash and hook it to foodiness manufacturing. And they came up with gender specific foodiness products that make Nutrisystem and vitamin water and Atkins bars seem like a local and sustainable products in comparison. Now, as I said last week in my anniversary show, I'm here to prove that you don't have to be a smug douche to eat real food, but eating foodiness does make you a chump. And gender-specific foodiness puts you somewhere past chump. Somewhere down in the deepest, darkest recesses of the foodiness rabbit hole where Tea Party defenders defend the rights of corporate America to convince them that artificially flavored diet lemon raspberry iced tea is tea. By the way, you should go to my website, let's letsgetrealshow.com, and you should check out the interview that I did on BBC Radio 5 last week because it's all about this stuff. It's on the media page. Check it out. Now, the point is that gender foodiness makes claims that only a super sucker would buy a chump. You don't want to be a super sucker, do you? Like protein bars that are targeted specifically for women or instant oatmeal packets targeted for women or the newest one, which got me on this rant in the first place, which are gummy vitamins for men. Now, I guess chewing on pink and lime green dinosaur-shaped candy spiked with synthetic vitamins was kind of emasculating for some guys these days. So, one a day, or whatever company, has introduced men's gummy vitamins. It should be like, men's gummy vitamins. They come in this, like, kind of more serious, kind of more manly-looking container, and they're colored in more muted, masculine shades of, like, navy and... Hunter Green, Manly Man Colors. A manly man's gummy vitamin dreamed up by all those manly men who work on Madison Avenue. I'm not talking about Don Draper. I may be talking about Don Draper's evil gay son. And you can wash down those manly men's gummy vitamins with Pepsi Max, which is the man's diet cola. I guess being obese and growing boobs wasn't acceptable anymore for men, but drinking that, you know, girly diet soda wasn't going to cut it it was too much of an insult to their masculinity so now thank god we have a diet soda just for men pepsi max for men fat men with boobs to the max gummy vitamins in masculine colors the mind reels at the contradiction is it just me who is having a reeling mind in this moment Children's candy. Now, I love gummy things. Don't get me wrong. I love a good gummy bear. I would not kick a gummy bear out of bed any night of the week. But children's candy, marketed as a health product for guys, it's bad enough that everything we eat today is flavored and sweetened like candy, which you know I love to talk about. And you know I love to say that we're just a nation of obese toddlers waddling around with big sippy cups full of sweetened juice and gumming our gummies. You know, I call them the potato people for a reason. You can feel free to use it as long as you credit me because I'm going to trademark that one too, along with foodiness. And also, I hate to be the one to tell you again that vitamins and nutrients come from food. That's the only legit source. If you are someone who can't manage to ingest actual food on a daily basis, then vitamin supplements may provide the nutrients that you're missing, but I don't actually think so. But, you know, taking a vitamin supplement is basically like taking medicine. You need to feel like you're taking medicine, almost like it's a punishment for not eating well or, oh, you went out and you slept with too many people and you caught yourself a case of the clap. Now you have to take your medicine. It's like that. If you change the delivery vehicle of the vitamin, first from food to pill, and then from pill to candy, you're removing the adult responsibility of not only eating the real food, but also being able to take real medicine. If you put it into candy form and color it and flavor it and make it infantilized, that's what it becomes. Don't worry that you can't eat like an adult. You can just keep eating soft, chewy, sweet treats like a toddler and let us, the food manufacturer, Manage your nutrition needs. Put us in, put you, put your nutrition in our hands. Let us take care of it. It's like you're surrendering your hard-won adulthood and independence to a corporate behemoth who doesn't have anything like your best interest at heart. Remember when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to grow up and be independent and be an adult? Now you're handing that off to a giant mega corporation run by Montgomery Burns. Would you trust him? Would you trust those guys with anything? I mean, these are the same people trying to tell you that smoking a long skinny cigarette makes you a lady and drinking poison- poisonous diet soda from a black can makes you a much more manly potato. Or how about these foodiness products, these gender-specific foodiness products that I came upon? How about Curves granola bars for women? You know Curves, it's that chain of gyms. They're all around the country. They're little franchises. I have no problem with Curves. I think it's great. The more people exercise, the better. I'm all about it. But Curves is marketing a brand of granola bars for women. Now, what's granola? First of all, granola is made from oats. Oats are fine. You take oats. You mix them with something sweet like a little sugar or honey or maple syrup, a little bit of oil. You boil that up as a syrup, mix it with the oats, bake it. You have granola. Throw in some nuts, some seeds, some fruit. That's granola could be pretty caloric, but it's food. It's made from real food. Curves granola bars have 40 ingredients in them, and more than half of them are different forms of sugar. Curves must actually be using the bars as a marketing tool to help keep their clients fat, so they'll have to keep coming back to Curves and keep their memberships up to date. So it's a gym marketing what's basically a candy bar, which they're calling granola, but is mostly made out of puffed rice, and sugar, 10 different kinds of sugar, by the way, with a sprinkling of oats in there and a few peanuts and some fake chocolate-flavored chips. And I thought things like Luna bars were evil. I mean, they say that money is the root of all evil, but no, let me tell you, evil is a chocolate marshmallow-flavored Diet Luna general nutrition bar. There, I said it. What's general or nutritious about chocolate marshmallow flavor? Unless it's made from real chocolate and real marshmallows, then I'm okay with it. Or how about those oatmeal packets for women? Have you seen those? Quaker instant oatmeal, especially for women. If you're going to eat oatmeal, and you should, why not? It's real food. This is what you do. You go to a store that sells oatmeal in bulk, bulk grains, like Whole Foods. They do it. A lot of stores do it now. You go to the bulk grain section, and you get yourself a couple pounds of organic rolled oats. You buy in bulk, like $1.59 a pound for organic rolled oats. You can't beat that. Don't tell me you're too poor for that. You're probably too lazy. Or you could buy like a can of steel-cut Irish oats, and those are even better for you, but make sure you get the organic. You really want organic. Then you take those oats home and you cook them. You cook them in water or you cook them in milk or in chicken stock or in cream or in apple juice or whatever you want to use, and then you add things to it like salt or honey or brown sugar or an egg or raisins or miso and scallions like me or fruit or chocolate chips, whatever you want in there, peanut butter. I don't care just don't eat instant oatmeal packets because they're all sugar. And the oats that they use in instant oatmeal have been pre-cooked and then rolled out to like wafer thin and then re-dehydrated. So basically that oatmeal has already been pre-digested for you. And when you eat pre-digested food, you don't digest that food. All it does is make your blood sugar spike. And with all that added sugar in the instant oatmeal packets, you'll be spiking and crashing faster than Paula Deen at a state fair and let's not of course forget skinny girl vodka now I'm sure you've seen this one remember Bethany Frankel from the Real Housewives I have never seen it I've only heard about her she created this line of skinny girl cocktails artificially sweetened and then she sold the line for something like 300 million dollars so who's the idiot me sitting here not getting paid in a studio made out of wood or her I don't know I think she's the idiot I'm just the poor smart girl now, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but vodka doesn't make you skinny. So calling it Skinny Girl Vodka, mm, if you consider how often it makes girls pregnant, actually, then you're not really getting skinny. Or as I like to say, puking by midnight, pregnant by dawn. Then we're really in the land of the foodiness bamboozle. I mean, the only product missing on the shelves now is a protein cupcake that makes you poop. We'll call it women's movement. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. I shouldn't be giving these away for free. I'm always doing that. Anyway, back at Miriam's wedding. If I hadn't been wearing a dress to the wedding that night, I probably could have pulled a little yentel thing on those sweaty dancing men. I mean, with my very short hair and my wardrobe that tends toward teenage boy, I probably could have slipped right in there with them and started swilling the vodka with all the guys. Except my sort of pear-shaped lower half might have given me away. I don't know, but... Speaking of pears, food, real food, like a pear, doesn't need labels on it to make claims. It just sits quietly, self-confident and assured that you'll know it's good for you. The pear grower's marketing budget for advertising is probably something like $96 a year. Although, Let's Get Real's logo is a pear, so I am doing my part to promote pears. I love pears. Versus the Curves Bar marketing budget, which is probably something like $96 million a year. So who wins? Well, the food always wins. I don't care if you sell your company for $300 million. Food always wins. But it needs our help because it doesn't really have the promotional budget of a Luna Bar or a gummy vitamin. But Real Food does have me, and Chris, although he's kind of that evil gay Don Draper son from Madison Avenue, but he is on our side. That is until Unilever or Sachi and Sachi makes him a better offer. But real food needs all of us to buy it and eat it and support it and to say, damn it, I'm a man and I love cucumbers. Or, yes, sir, I'm a woman and I am eating oysters. And do it. Eat the real food, whatever gender you were born to or chose to become in later life. It's like if, the, if a food has the word nutria in it, or, well, nutra, not nutria. Nutria is a swamp rat, so let's say nutra. Although you'd probably be better off eating swamp rat than something that says nutra. Or smart, or enhanced, or better, or makes promises, like smarter, bigger, thinner. Then don't trust it. Same goes for gender. After all, if you want to be manly, let it show in your choice of moisturizer or hairspray. And if you want to be a real woman, let your cigarette your deodorant do the job for you. Like God and Madison Avenue intended for us. Now, if you don't want to be eat shit and you don't want to be a chump or you don't want to be a super sucker, keep listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Thanks tonight to Joe in the Control Room. Thanks to Chris Nutter, my co-producer, and Julie Tanis, who did some research for us this week. Remember, you can find me on Twitter, Let's Get Real Show, and we'll see you next week.